0: And we have the power, have the power I hate the state, and I know I'm a same We can make the break, break the power, break
1: the power Hello, I'm Matt Bergman, and you're listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians Podcast, episode 290 I'm here tonight with Jared Schneiderman What up? Otto Dazzling.
2: What's up, Kyle Wagner? <laughs> hey guys,
1: and special guest, director of Monopoly of Force, Chris. Monopoly Cofer. on violence. Monopoly on violence, uh, dude. Monopoly <laughs> on violence. Oh shit! <laughs> How high are you already, dude? Damn. Apparently not high enough. Apparently, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah uh sorry about I mean, not being forced for not being violence same thing right i, I get the, the general idea very
3: similar concept yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <Shit>. Very. <laughs> sorry about that but um anyways like uh chris why don't you like tell us a little bit about yourself like how much how long did it take for you to make this uh documentary
3: uh well first of all it wasn't just me um it, it began as me and robert Beeler and pete doug you know it and uh, we did this? We started about 15 months ago. Uh, we formed a company, Stateless Productions, and decided to start building a team to create a, a documentary that was themed around anarchism. And we, we picked uh, Vinnie Marshall of Think Liberty slash Being Libertarian, uh, Andrew Kern of the Principal Libertarian, uh, Killian Hobbs of the Rational Standard and Coffee Shop Philosophy Podcast, and uh, Bryce Peterson, who helped really create uh, this, that centerpiece, that history of, uh, history of anarchism piece. And uh, Caitlin uh, Clevin is handling our social media. So, and also we had like other people that joined only in the last couple of months. Uh, animation director John Miles, he did some of those. Like of that animation where uh, Walter Block is talking about getting punched and then it's got you know him in the animation. <laughs> John did that. Uh, Cody Smith, motion graphics artist, he did uh, that opening title part, which is so cool and really draws you in. And of course Vinnie did, um, you know, that the history part that really like, like seven minute block in the middle, that catches you up on the history of anarchism. So
1: what would you say is like, what would you say is like the objective or goal of this film?
3: Uh, to reach people with some really basic ideas, uh, that haven't been exposed to them because more often than not, when these ideas are brought up, uh, they're never presented in a positive light and, and usually not in any kind of dignified manner, um, you know, the same, so, so many issues like that in the media. But, you know, um, anything that's fringe politically is just amongst them. Hmm. Word.
1: So, like, how would you say the reception has been thus far?
3: It's been really great, really surprisingly uh, good. We've had almost 37,000 views as of today. And um, you can still count the number of downvotes. Uh, I think it's still less than 30. which is kind of shocking to me i really expected more people to um to have a problem with it but it's having this kind of strange effect either people really like it or they're kind of just they don't know what to think and then they're not sure how to you know how to elucidate their thoughts on it it's um i don't know I, i think some people just see it and it makes them think a little bit and they're not really sure how to react
1: now where can people watch the monopoly of violence right now?
3: Oh, right now it's on YouTube. Um, you. Uh, but if you, uh, for whatever reason, can't access YouTube, you can always go to themonopolyonviolence.com and there's options there to uh, view it elsewhere and to uh, to purchase a 4K download or to get a free 720P download.
1: Uh, now, I, I, I heard I, that you were uh, trying like, to. Uh, where can you get the laser disc? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I handcraft each laser disc in my garage. Nice.
4: I uh, heard that. Okay. I heard that you were trying to get it on Netflix. Is this true? Is it? Is yeah, it I mean on? that's
3: really what our goal has been since the beginning. Was um, and that was part of our sales pitch was we want to get yeah. this uh, documentary about anarchism on Netflix. Um, I'm a little skeptical about that working out because yeah. um, if you look at some of their content, it's it's not necessarily uh, uh I guess anarchist friendly. And uh, I think the the Obamas got involved in a few productions or or they're part owners or something mm. now. But anyway, they're um. What's I don't the process much, for that? Yeah, I don't expect much anti-authoritarian content uh, to make it uh, uh-huh. to Netflix. But you never know, it may get popular enough um, on YouTube that we can, you know, show them the analytics. It's like, look, you know, tens of thousands of people are interested in this, so they might consider watching it uh, as they flip through those crappy UFO documentaries that Amazon keeps on there. <laughs> right.
4: What's the and process to- for getting on uh, on Netflix?
3: Well, a lot of filmmakers will go through uh, what's called an aggregator, um, and this is kind of a kind of an iffy market because uh, they had one go go under uh, late last year, that was like the big one in the industry. So these aggregators um, are basically kind of uh, well, its name is everything. It's it's a bunch of different movies, and they get like a lower rate uh, on the streaming platforms like uh, Hulu, iTunes, uh, a few others. And so filmmakers try to go to these aggregators, uh, pay a few hundred bucks and, you know, get their stuff out there. And mm-hmm. it, it's kind of, I don't really expect it will make uh, much money uh, as an independent film, but the, the important thing to us is uh, reach, you know, getting it in front of people. Sure.
4: Is this the, uh, is this the first movie you've directed or have you?
3: Yeah, well, this is the first, it's the first feature length uh, film I've ever directed. So uh, it was I've I've made a bunch of short films over the decades, but you know this was the first time I said, you know what, let's let's try to do something beyond uh, ninety minutes, something that you know could potentially uh, end up in a theater or at least presented in you know with a bunch of other two-hour movies. Sure. Cool.
1: Yeah. So um, a lot of your interviews, they we were talking in the group earlier. We were saying like where they were. I was going to guess that you got a lot of those at the Mises Institute, or where did you do yeah. those?
3: Kyle, you want to correct him on the pronunciation? Uh, Mises. Mises. Mises
0: pieces.
2: (laughs) Rhymes with like Reese's pieces. Mises. Mises. You throw the I a little harder, and and you're there. But uh, yeah, it did look like the Mises Institute for most of
3: them. That's actually uh, um, Rothbard's old library. They moved all of his books, um, you know, from from his place in New York, I guess, after he died, and uh, they're in that library. And it's a pretty amazing thing because you know all these obscure political and theoretical books and
1: yeah. You know. so I, I i want to point out that out of everybody on the podcast who always gives me shit for uh mispronouncing mises like i was the only person that that uh, figured out where that, that was uh filmed
5: uh so. i knew i knew
1: that was <laughs> no you didn't
5: film well, yeah. actually i did because i've been following the production of it well, I, you know, you could tell
4: some of it was in in, in the Mises Institute, but the the library scenes, I, I was I was just curious if that was actually at Mises, or at a public library, because that'd be no. Kind that's of
3: uh, that's it. That's at Mises, and then okay. that's um, even though we had it blocked off, we still got interrupted a few times. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: It, it's amazing how the Mises Institute is a shrine to Rothbard. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it works out, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah.
2: Um so how did the uh you know I'm watching along the culture section with uh Jack V Lloyd who I know from my group as a uh, comic guy and uh I we get to this meme and uh there's my there's my head man I couldn't believe it uh, <laughs> I think it said like this is your brain on statism or something uh, it's uh,
3: state of, it was the statism is a bad trip and it was uh that meme I made of uh like uh the acid where it's got like a like a hundred little so an right tabs. Tab yeah. So who made so the point.
2: selection there on the uh, Jack V. Lloyd memes?
3: Well, actually, those weren't meant to be. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I should have thought that through. I didn't mean to imply that Jack made those memes. But, hey, nice product placement. Thank you. Um, no, but, um, we, we, you know, he we was talking about memes, so we, uh, you know, give our graphic designer Stated some days. memes that I've made over the last <laughs> few years. And um, so, you know, there were kind of memes you may not have seen much of because I met I released them and just never really uh, recirculated them. But I really felt the need to, to have a, a helmeted meme in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I laughed. I laughed. It was... uh yeah. it was I mean, it's, it's an inside joke for the Liberty Movement, so I really don't expect people are going to be like, you know, going to start looking into who is that helmeted guy.
2: Yeah, and it's <laughs> hilarious that the Liberty Movement actually uh, is aware of Kyle memes <laughs> um you know it's funny i was i was in like an, a group for joe jorgensen or something like that and somebody shared my old uh political spectrum the one that, that oh, kind of wow. looks like phallic and it was yeah. like some woman that i didn't know and she was like this is the real spectrum <laughs> you know she's showing it sharing it as a joke and everybody's cracking up in the comments and i'm just uh, like i posted that i swear it was like 2015
3: and yeah, five was, years later
2: you know i see that spectrum posted
3: and i'm just like you gotta be kidding me it it
2: is weird you know well
3: somebody posted the movie in there they're like hey you guys seen this and you know so many people in there have because um i suspect at some point soon we'll we'll reach the 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 bubble and the audience of like you know the whole liberty movement seen it and then it'll just really slow you know because the rest of the world is kind of like uh
2: yeah, and like anything, you get that, it's it's big when it's new. So you're yeah. getting that wave of, hey, here's the big release, and then things trickle off. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see you hit 100,000 views on YouTube, though, over time. Um
3: yeah, maybe in a couple months.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah that would be been- uh, pretty badass, dude. Hey, um, question. Where did you interview David Freeman?
3: Uh, that actually wasn't me. I did all the interviews except for two of them. Uh and that's because uh Vinny had uh, closer proximity. Okay, um, cool. Nice. He did he did Thaddeus Russell and David Friedman. And that I believe that was in Friedman's home. I was gonna say it definitely oh, yeah. looked like his like it'd be his home.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was badass. Um one thing that I really enjoyed too was uh I like how you got Carl Hess in there.
3: I had, I really wanted to. You know, it's like um he he's one of those people that slips through the cracks. He he's just he's an unusual type of uh
1: And he's you know, my favorite. Yeah
3: yeah I mean, he's, he's, like, he's, my,
1: he's my number one man he's uh i mean or, or at least in the top three you know it'd probably be like him and spooner and, and
3: temporary and he was involved in yeah. such an important part of history it's like you know he was in the goldwater campaign and then he sort of becomes this anarchist and just drifts away from it it's like he i would like to see a, you know feature link docu uh, on him just right I, right so interesting
1: yeah dude I, I, he's like the the coolest motherfucker and it, it's really neat how like you can, on, on youtube you can watch like i think like three or four like two-hour talks that hess is giving
3: yeah in fact we used um that's where we grabbed yeah. uh, libertarianism.org let us use uh, some of those clips uh, of like the old stuff because you know he, he would just go to these libertarian party things or just you know that that's the thing people forget what the, it was like before the internet you know, you had to go places, these conventions or whatever. And you really had to be into it because it's like, I mean, now it's like, we got this, you know, you can, all these people together in the same place having a conversation. But you know, back then it was like, all right, we'll be at the, um, the Milwaukee Sheraton, you know, for this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, just think of the people, if you think people are weird now, it's like, just think of how weird you had to be back then to, you know, to travel hundreds of miles, go to one of those things.
2: Or you know, they did a lot of newsletters. It was a lot of mailers yeah. and newsletters, like the yeah. the Ron, the infamous Ron Paul newsletter, that was the kind of thing like you had to subscribe to get these kind these kind of documents or these papers that were for that movement, you know, and the mainstream would never have known about it. You know, I really thought that um especially I, th- here's what I thought when I first got into libertarianism, I thought that the federal reserve and the fact that they just print money willy nilly was going to blow up. I thought that was going to be, that news was going to go everywhere. People are going to be like, Holy shit, we can't trust the dollar. They're just creating <laughs> this stuff like crazy. And people were going to abandon the dollar very, very quickly. I was expecting hyperinflation just on the fact that the information is out there. that yeah. the, This is how the monetary system works. You know, they don't teach that in school. It was shocking. I'm like, oh, this this is how we fund our deficits. And the amazing thing is, even with the information in front of your face and freely available, it, the dollar is still valuable. People don't care. They're like, oh, okay, another trillion dollars. All right, whatever. I mean, well, yeah, they craft, not-
4: they craft narratives around it, like the modern monetary theory, to justify bullshit. Yeah
2: or they don't care or think about yeah. it. Most people still have no clue or don't yeah, think well, about the it, gold yeah. standard. They don't think about money printing, but I thought in the internet age, it would be too big of a secret to keep in the bag. I was like, the dollar's going to crash, you know, tomorrow because if I'm <laughs> reading this, everybody else is reading it, but that, that's not the case. And even people that do read it, do not care.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, well, it doesn't, they, they don't understand how it impacts their life yet. And until it really does in a bad way, I think most people won't care. And it's, that's the hard part of all this is trying to find ways to communicate that. You know, it's like, yeah, you don't feel the pain right away, but down the road, it you know, really messes things up for the whole economy.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, ironically, or what we haven't expected is we haven't had hyperinflation. Right. You know, right. gas is a dollar 70 or something like that. I mean, prices, a lot of prices have come down. So, yeah. you know, that kind of flies in the face of a lot of this. Well, the, the Fed is printing trillions, and so we're going to have hyperinflation. It's actually been a lot of deflation, you know, and I, I think that's because of the debt. But I, I don't want to derail the conversation. And, and no, but you know, yeah, it just hasn't it hasn't played <laughs> out like people like Peter Schiff and Ron Paul said it would.
3: So, um, you know, but that's kind of a that's kind of a thing we have to face, too, is that, uh you know if you're if you're that person that's always making the predictions then um you know if they don't come true you know at some point then people are really going to stop listening to you so yeah so So if you had uh, oh go ahead
4: matt
1: yeah so i was just going to say like uh chris now as far as like your movie you got like pretty much did you you have like an amazing array of of guests you know get of like speakers like uh just tell everybody about, uh, like, like could you give a list off the top of your head?
3: Oh, there's like <laughs> over 30 people. Um, so I would probably try to remember it in order of the interviews. Uh, but I mean, you really want me to do that now?
1: No, I mean, well, I, I can name a couple of them. You know, like uh, Scott Horton was in there.
3: But yeah, I mean, on that trip, there was Scott Horton, Max Borders, uh, Stefan Kinsella, Walter Block, and then Michael Humer. That was a trip where I flew down to Texas and then ended up driving to Louisiana to talk to Walter Block, then back to Texas to talk to Scott and Max and then getting on a plane, going to Colorado to talk to Michael Hummer.
1: I mean, it would probably be easier to make a list of people who are not in this movie. It's like, <laughs> <laughs>
3: we, we did want to have a justice league approach. We wanted to be able to say like, Hey, it's, you know, it's everyone. And I don't feel that we misrepresented anybody's message. So, um, you know, if we're fortunate, maybe uh, some of these people will be in future documentaries. Was
1: there was there anybody who like you wanted to get but you couldn't just make it work, uh, like uh, time wise scheduling wise?
3: Well, we, we've decided not to mention people that we asked to be in the film, and um, and they decided not to because really, you don't, I don't know what their reasons were. You know, they might have been legitimate or they might have just been cautious. Um, you know, it may not have been like, and also really, uh, we were kind of nobodies. You know, it's like, who are these people? You know, except for, you know, Pete knew a lot of the people at uh, LBMI, wow. uh, which helped doing Doomtide. Thank but you. Awesome.
2: You didn't have, I didn't see Hoppe.
3: I don't know if he was in there. Um, he's in. He never leaves Turkey for one thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Like Michael Miles well, did an interview with him. He had to fly to Turkey, but he was he was going to Turkey anyway because he was at some uh, you know, PFS, one of Hoppe's uh, events.
2: Yeah, that that's a little ways to go for an interview. You, like, climb into the mountains, like you're going to meet the uh, a monk or something like that, and you're like, you got your video camera. You're like, here we are for our clip with uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe. Um, right. Who else wasn't in there that I was just – I just thought of somebody else that was prominent. Oh, it'll come back to me. Anyway, um, there was a long haired guy. He had like long black hair. He was all about, um, you know, talking about consent, you know, government yeah, isn't Michael consent- humor. That's Michael humor. Okay. Yeah, that was a cool talk.
3: It is. His book is pretty amazing. The problem of political authority. That was, you know, what got me into wanting to interview him. Hmm. And, and I wanted to interview more than like one type of, you know, I didn't want it to be all uh, essians or whatever Rothbardians. You know, just um, and I really, if anything, it's like if I could if I could do it again, I probably would have tried to make more of an effort to get more uh, left anarchists. But there's there's less of them. You know, it's hard to find them at times. You know, unless it's, at um, least prominent ones that. Dude, actually what about
1: like right? Mike Shipley, dude? Well, why didn't you hit up Mike Shipley? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you had you know, Kevin Shaw. It was there, the but in star. the
3: culture section. We, did, we didn't, want, Shipley, to include, uh, we didn't like want to. We didn't want to have an entryist in the film.
1: Dude, like Alex Miller, man. He he's like one of the the coolest left libertarians, dude. You could have hit him up.
3: I'm trying to get who that is.
1: Yeah, he's he's pretty fucking awesome, man. Yeah.
2: Who was the guy that compared public schools to prisons?
3: That's Thaddeus Russell. Thad, yeah. Yeah.
2: Where did you where did you interview him?
3: Uh Vinny interviewed him at a uh we just found like we re rented a space, like an office space. Mm. Um yeah, I, I thought we'd have to do that more throughout the film, but really we didn't. There's only a couple of places we had to do that. Yeah,
2: I don't know how that would be received by the mainstream. He was he was very blunt about it. I mean, he's like, you know, it's a truant, you're a truant, and then they drag they drag your ass back into the school. It's like it's basically a prison, you know. And if you don't send your kid, you you get locked up. I was like, he, oh my gosh,
3: dude. He he doesn't like illusions, and um, it's it's one of those things where if you think about what he says, it's um it's kind of hard to refute it though. Um,
2: you know, the, the here's here's what I think of. You know, um, there's a that G. Edward Griffin guy that wrote that book, um, the yeah. the Creature from Jekyll Island. You know, he puts a very nefarious spin on the Fed, on the founding of the Fed, on everything. It's almost like a mystery novel, or a, but everything is done in a nefarious fashion. It's not just facts. It's uh, it's got a spin to it, and. You know, I think with public schools, like you can say, well, this was a sinister thing that was, you know, designed to put everybody in a box for capitalist production. And that's why the bell rings. And or or you can take you don't have to take that perception of it. It's all a matter of perception. And to a public school teacher who is thinks that she's trying to teach a little kid, you know, letters and colors and counting and math like she's not you know, she has no nefarious agenda. So, like, I, I, dude, I, I think that was my
1: favorite. That was my favorite line of the movie. Sorry, I when uh, that was my favorite of the movie, possibly when Thaddeus Russell was talking about uh, schools. And what did he say? They're like day prisons. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's the exact phrasing that he used was like so awesome. It, it, it's escaping me right now,
5: but he's, uh, he's that was that. really fucking cool. Yeah, he is totally good for that. I mean, he does Renegade University, and I mean you expect. You know that type of him to talk like that like I wouldn't expect him to talk any other way, so yeah. i I really like the fact that he was what he said and everything and I mean Kyle like it's not all going to be facts I mean it's, I mean it, like straight facts, like here are the numbers like no it's like well, this is how the way I see it, and this is the way we as anarchists feel.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: you know this,
0: yeah, no for sure and he's not
4: lying about any of that I mean it's all true i mean if you
0: i mean
3: you
4: what's that
0: that?
3: That, that's his analysis of the facts
4: right yeah it's his analysis and his um his sort of cohesive worldview as as informed by those facts or at least a part of his worldview
3: and plus he was in academia so it's like it's not like he doesn't know yeah he grew
4: up you know i listen to his show all the time he you know he went to like we were to get to berkeley he was like um you know a and also you could almost even term his as him as a left anarchist, even though he won't admit it. I mean he's well, got a really lot of good. sort of like postmodernist uh, Oh really, yeah, he loves you know, postmodernism and Proudhon. I, right. I
2: did get left anarchism out of him because he's talking about it molds you into a productive member of the capitalist system. You know, they want you able to work on an assembly line and follow direction from a boss and things right. like that. And he's like, I'm a free thinker, you know, you want to be a free thinker.
0: Well, he's yeah.
3: uh, he he used to be a socialist when he was right. younger, and uh, then he he sort of changed his mind. Probably, uh, I think what in the last five or ten years, something like know? that. Yeah, I, I was yeah, still I mean, he's getting not, anti-capitalism he's, from him. I don't know. He's not. I mean, he's
4: definitely a pro-free market guy. He's more of a anti-corporatist, anti-like work for you know you know work as an ethic
3: that sort of thing. You know, yeah, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to pigeonhole him. But I mean, we we all kind of understand. Like, I understand the the complaints and the criticisms of capitalism. You know, we all yeah. are familiar with the excesses and uh, the things that the cronies get away with. You know, sure. so it's like, like it's there. There's a little grain of truth in there somewhere. So definitely.
4: So, how has the reception been among
3: um, like non-libertarians? Have you gotten any feedback from? uh, There there haven't been that many negative comments Um, like the comments uh, that that were negative. I can see on YouTube might be like, uh, you can kind of tell they didn't watch it. It was just like some quick uh, graffiti against somebody (laughs) who's in it or something. Right. Um, But I've asked a bunch I've asked a lot of my friends who are leftists uh, or or at least not, um, they they didn't identify with me exactly. uh, And I, I haven't heard back from many of them. So um, Hmm. either they, you know, not everyone has the time you know to watch two hour movie, especially if it's like, hey, me and my friends have a movie you should watch it, you know <laughs> uh, it's usually a recipe for awfulness, but um I don't know we're we're just kind of gonna wait it out and 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 I mean there's still some people that are in it that haven't really pushed it yet, They mm-hmm. haven't like retweeted, you know, like Tom Woods retweeted, uh, I think a few others did. Yeah. so um I, f- I feel like there's more uh, you know there's there may be a secondary wave uh, of interest, hopefully yeah so, uh,
1: so my next my next question is for kyle wagner kyle, after, <laughs> watching, after watching this film in its entirety are you still a statist
2: oh yes yes i am um <laughs> I mean, even I, further entrenched <laughs> i mean I, I it's uh you're
1: still balls deep and up into up in some statism
2: yeah i i you know anarchists have not been able to really uh address the Although they did touch on it, they're like the one guy I remember he was like, Well, we can't really beat states, you know, like they're just more powerful. And I was like, Yeah, that's kind of a problem for you, you
3: know.
0: I mean, uh, you talk about when
3: Jim Scott said it takes a state to beat a state.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Okay, so what's the anarchist plan?
3: He the rest of that sentence for him was that um that he, he doesn't think we're gonna be the state. And we're gonna be releasing the the full interviews for everybody. Um, yeah, there's gonna be a bunch of them like maybe 10 of them on YouTube and the rest of them we'll have on the blu-ray So, you know, you can see 20 to 30 minutes of you know, what somebody had to say because it was kind of a tragedy We had to cut so much, you know It's just for time and and to, to keep people's interest because you can't really watch somebody talk for 11 minutes about some obscure Intellectual topic you have to slice it down to three or five.
2: Yeah, it takes a state to beat a state. What a great What a great quote and uh you know, definitely a problem for anarchists. And the other point I, that anarchists never seem to address is in the effort of, of uh, competing with a state or fighting a state, how is that not chaos, right? Is, is not throwing uh, Molotov cocktails and uh, trying to kill police and fight street fighting against the state not a state of chaos?
3: After you watch the film, do you feel like that's what we were
2: pushing? I know that's not what anarchists want. They want sort of a peaceful scenario, but you know, the question I always say is, well, well who makes the rules of anarchy? You know, it's always like, well, we're going to have private property and and we're going to have these uh, third party, um, you know, arbitration uh, companies, and people are going to um, submit to them if they do something wrong. I mean, it's. You're just, like, making up rules as if you guys would be in charge. And that's not what anarchy is. Anarchy is everybody kind of for themselves. Um, it's a complete state of chaos.
3: Normatively, most people don't want uh, things like, you know, murder, rape, uh, assault, uh. Some theft. do. Right, Some do. but... But those people can be dealt with. Like if you've got a violent aggressor, that's not really something to have a deep philosophical discussion about, you
2: know. Right, so person. push comes to shove and then you go, well, we, we can handle them. You think you can handle them. But, you know, it's like uh, you can't uh, because it, it's not just a, a lone person. You could be dealing with hundreds or thousands of people who are organized against you. You know, certainly there are millions of people that oppose ANCAPs and everything that they stand for.
1: Kyle, question, are the boots flavored? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just
2: I'm just I think I think I'm just better at ANCAPs about thinking this stuff through and thinking how this is going to play out in the real world. Kyle, and you ask the
3: same question every time. You ask how we're going to enforce our laws. We're not going yeah. to be making laws that everyone's going to have to to live by. It's like there's going to be, you know, if there's a, if there's a conflict, there will be mechanisms to deal with that conflict. And really, the AnCap's are really the only one who are putting forth those solutions. You know, I really don't know what anarcho-socialists or anarcho-communists would have, but I'm guessing it's going to be something involving democracy, where a bunch of people get together and say, "Well, what are we going to do with so and yeah, so?" And and other system. groups will be similar. Some people might just, you know shoot you in the head for trying to steal an apple from them or something. But I mean, you know, that's, um, that's panarchy. That's a, uh, people will, uh, will have different norm sets and, and they're not always going to want to, you know, live under some centralized oppressive, uh, you know, regime that's saying this is how things are going to be.
2: Yeah. I mean, the state system is very simple. It's, it's, uh, this is how things are going to be. These are the rules and you're going to follow the rules or, or yeah, there's a gun. There's certainly force. There's certainly coercion behind it. And, uh, you know, the one guy, I, what was his name? Um, you just said it a minute ago, the guy with the long, dark hair, he's like, you know, making his case that it's, what is it? Michael Humer. Michael Humer, Yeah. That it's not consensual. And I wanted to you know and, and a lot of people try to say that it is and they go wrong he is absolutely right it's not consensual and uh, it's not consent of every individual in a state it's sort of uh, support of the majority right it's most people in this area support this and then they absolutely impose their way on uh, the minority that that's how that's how that's, group, okay. that's how group dynamics work you know
3: you the group dy- so for you group dynamics is the majority forces their way on, on whoever the minority is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how it works. I mean, like, and and you always assume like that the minority is a good guy, but sometimes the minority is a bad guy and it's the civilized society that's imposing its rules on the bank robber or the rapist. You know, the
3: minority is often a piece of shit. So I'm I'm I would be imposing my rules on others. I mean, you're kind of arguing almost like someone who's anti-proprietary. You know, it's like, well, you're you're
2: uh, well, property itself is a rule, right? To say well, we're going to have private ownership is a rule. Well, like it's, it's actually imposed.
3: A norm. It's it's a norm. You know, people have respected the fact that you can have your own home. You know, since there's been people in homes. You know, well, there are a
2: lot of people that would like to take away the the riches of the wealthy. And redistribute to the people, you know, like what Beverly Hills and these high high rent zip codes and things like that. I mean, gated communities. There are lots of people on the left who would be who would storm the gates and kill those people and take everything they have.
1: Kyle, are are you are you worried about like people on the left storming the gates of Wagner Estates?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Casa de (laughs) Wagner, right? What's the (laughs) helmet for? (laughs) You taking that?
4: (laughs) Taking that nice lampshade you got there over there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would be overwhelmed by uh, 300 people, you know, or or even 20 people. Probably, I don't
3: know, dude. Or or you'd have the forethought to hire a security agency to protect your neighborhood slash town slash whatever, you know, your covenant maybe community. Somebody would have a security <laughs> camera. And say, dude, hey, like
1: hey, Kyle Wagner is pretty <laughs> badass though. Kyle Wagner is pretty badass though. He just said, he just said like he might be overwhelmed by 20 people.
0: <laughs> he, like, might. Like
1: he, he might, might be like, That's he's pretty badass, ball. dude. It sounds like Kyle Wagner's not worried about at all about groups of 10 or less. So <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: I yeah, thoughts, it's like Kyle, that dude. movie. Yeah, it reminds me of Scarface. You know where he's like, you know, basically a one man army. He's got that arsenal in his in his uh up in his room, and yeah, they all Kyle. try to come in. <laughs> I sense
3: he, a meme coming.
0: <laughs> no, I heard, I made
3: that meme. That was one of the earliest memes I made. It was <laughs> Kyle holding like it was the you know like uh. Kyle gun. Thing. If it wasn't a machine gun. It was, it was America, like a cutout. And it yeah. was like, hello to my little government. And It, was... <laughs> <laughs> it all comes full <laughs> circle. That's
0: yeah.
2: awesome. I, I was we not persuaded by the up.
3: documentary, but uh, you know. But what do you think, Kyle, do you think like when, when the normies see this, if we do make it to Netflix, how do you, how do you think they're going to react? Um, That's a great
2: question. I mean, cause I'm, I'm, you know, Steve, libertarian dogma. I've heard, (laughs) I've heard, I've heard all this stuff before, right? There's very little new information to me or new perspectives because I've, I've spent years talking to ANCAPs and anarchists and, uh, but, but a new person I think would be probably shocked by a lot of the statements in the documentary. And really, I, I would like to think that it would make them think because some of the war stuff is, you know, rock solid. You know, I watched a lot of it going, okay, this is a lot of basic libertarian stuff. And so, I but, agree with but, a lot of that. Kyle,
1: you're saying a lot of it is like, kind of like two in the pink, one in the stink type stuff.
2: No, basic, basic. That would be advanced or uh, that, that's a little, that's not actually what I was saying at all. I don't, I don't even know where.
3: Please <laughs> don't say any more about that.
2: Yeah. But uh, no, I do. I think um, I would hope that some people uh, get a little bit of a shock out of it. Like, I loved uh, Dave Dave Smith's little bit of it, um, it was a clip of stand up comedy where he was like, September th- 10th, we thought the whole world was cool with us. We thought everybody yeah. was our buddies. And
3: September 11th, we were like, oh, what? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> but thought, he was right. Cause yeah, you know, I was I was like in my early twenties when nine eleven happened, and I remember what the world was like before. It was very different, and uh, and then it's like we were just in oblivion. And then like all you knew was that you had to buy something with a flag on it. And it's like mm-hmm. if you watch the episode uh, of Zelda, No, dude. the Chris, Chris, are you saying
1: that you were a flagit, dude? Huh? Are you saying that you were a it
3: No, no. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I didn't go for that. I think I was pretty anti-Bush at the time, but um but anyway,
1: bush um, how stunning
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you rock
0: against bush yeah
2: yeah what was your per- what were you in the uh during the 9 eleven attacks like politically where did you kind of stand at that point i
3: was i was still a libertarian but um you know that was kind of a not a good time to be a libertarian so it's like most people didn't want to hear anything and i just didn't say much because it was like you know you're not you can kind of tell we're entering a new era you know? like you know when they're passing like tens of thousands of pages of legislation that's when you
1: gotta talk that's when you gotta talk dude
3: well yeah i mean i was also in los angeles at the time and that's really a place where nobody wants to hear anything about freedom
1: i mean i was in maryland dude it's it's like democrat city dude
3: yeah well i just wasn't into it at the time i was like you know what i'm just gonna not saying anything you gotta pick your battles and
1: like like, dude i remember on 9-11 people are like never forget yeah dude i remember that day i was thinking great what like at like we're talking like hours after the towers fell i was thinking oh i was so scared i was like what freedoms are gonna are they gonna take away from us you know as a result of this
5: that's a better libertarian yeah,
1: how are they going to okay? use this well i was it like was, 13 it was, years, it years old
5: so <laughs> i was like I was
4: ah, in i'm not going to be able yeah. to play football outside today
2: <laughs> uh, yeah i was you know i was in college but i would say i was in the same boat as you guys as little kids not knowing anything about it i didn't yeah. understand anything i was not a libertarian um, I didn't think about the consequences. I didn't think about no, the Patriot you're probably, Act. Uh,
1: you're probably busy dodging all at college poon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was playing video games in college. I I feel I feel bad about it now. I feel guilt about it now for being so uninformed and such a so naive about it and, and not skeptical. I should have been way more skeptical about the event itself and about the response to it, the wars that were used. Um, I just wasn't paying attention to politics in my in my early 20s. And uh, I'd say by my late 20s, I started reading more and more news, found Ron Paul. And then I was like, holy shit, you know, that's what this was all about. You know what I mean? So um, which the, Ron Paul's blowback explanation made sense to me the first time I heard it. I was like, oh, that's that's what this is. That was a revenge attack. You know, I was like, OK, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot more sense than out of nowhere yeah. know, for our freedoms.
3: <laughs> I'm glad we got on to be in it uh, for a little bit. Yeah, you did. Cool, you man. had a little clip of him in there. That was great. Yeah. Well, he, was in, cool. he was in there a couple of times. It's like, you always want to have him in there a lot, but it's like, we've got so many people. It's just, you yeah. got to portion them out.
1: No, he's, he's fucking awesome. He, he'd probably be like my, he's in my top three, probably libertarians of all time, man. He's like really fucking cool. That's yeah, really there awesome. What was that?
3: He's very cool in person.
1: Uh, yeah, man. Um,
2: his vid, he's still making great videos on Facebook. You know,
0: like every day. What's yeah, that? You, like, I mean, the
3: the building I interviewed him in, he's got this like, kind of elaborate looking studio. I poked my head in there. I was like, oh, I wonder if you can use any of that. Like, no. <laughs> so, okay. That's for
5: the Liberty Report. So he
4: does the Liberty Report in his home?
5: Yeah. You guys didn't know that? Oh, I'm sorry. i got not assumed, down with dude. every bit was, of a Ron Paul. Lore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I just... guess it makes
4: sense. He's a you know, he's an older yeah, guy. He, well, probably be like, yeah, he's, he probably doesn't
5: want to be like shuffling off to an office. Dan comes on over every morning, and they, uh, dude. I,
1: Dan McAdams <laughs> lives in the pool house, dude.
0: He's <laughs> <laughs> the pool boy. <laughs> dude, that's a that's pool a boy? meme right there, dude. That's a meme.
5: <laughs> Kyle, make that meme, dude. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Dan. It's time to come in and do the Liberty Report.
2: He, he's so, he's so <laughs> insightful, even even at his age. I mean, Ron, is. Re, you know, it's really interesting to hear his commentary on all that's going on right now. Um, I, it's great. Now, I don't watch every every episode. I just kept catch clips, or I usually just hit like as I read the headline or the head message, but <laughs> <laughs> I watch some of them. I do watch some of them, and
3: uh, I get something out of them every time. Well, as, as far as like Ron having like, uh, you remember what I was saying about how the, I, I remember what the world was like for 9-11. Imagine being Ron Paul, where oh, you yeah. remember what the world was like, you know, way back. And you've seen every, you know, uh, step forward to uh, totalitarianism. I mean, that, that would be quite a life, I think. It's crazy it is, how
4: you can stick with it so long after seeing all that and not get completely demoralized.
2: You You say that, but we lived, like, we had the progressive era where they passed a lot of this stuff. Social Security, Medicare, the Federal Reserve, we went through the World Wars, we've been through Vietnam. So, like, I don't know if it's a decline or just sort of – I always think of this as a continuation of the progressive era because the welfare state's the same. The the interventionist foreign policy has been the same since Wilson – So regulations, yeah. Yeah, regulations have gotten worse. I don't know. Like, yeah, there's more federal agencies now, but it's like,
0: yeah, yeah, the last 100 years, 120 years
2: have been all sort of the same thing, right?
4: Right. But my point is just, you know, seeing all that happen and and still sticking strong and not just being like, well, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to live my life, you know. That's, yeah, that's that takes I, that's some apathy. Gumption.
2: You know,
3: and that, well, it's that's apathy def- but
4: it's like understandable if you've experienced all that. I mean, you know, it, it I don't yeah.
3: know. You could say it's informed apathy.
4: But yeah, it's informed apathy. Sure, you just realize like, man, nothing's it's only getting worse. But you know, he stuck around, that. he stuck around and he actually made things better with, you know, the whole Ron Paul revolution and created created a bit of hope, you know? He created a whole new crop of libertarians um Absolutely. you know basically brought libertarianism to the internet i mean it might have found its way there eventually but you know i i just remember when i got into it which was around i guess 2009 or 10 in the run up to like 2012 you know i was just seeing a ton of you know youtube videos from like ron paul and you know, other stuff, even, you know, stuff like the Kaiser Report, you know, talking about economics. I don't remember if, you know if you guys remember that guy. I remember uh, him. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just like just this wealth of, of information just coming from the Internet that wasn't there, or at least I wasn't aware of it in
2: my college days. You know, so I, I credit him with with a great deal of that. I think Ron's the greatest man. I I just can't, you know, imagine living the next whatever 50 years of your life and just tirelessly trying beating the drum for these ideas. Um, you know, there's so many distractions. There's like, for me, there's video games, there's work. Um, there's my personal life with, you know, my relationships, like my family. I just, I, I, I was more, Passionate and more focused on politics in my twenties than I am now in my late thirties. It's just sort of like you lose that energy, and 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 I I just really appreciate Ron being able to like shut out all the. You know, he knows nothing about pop culture, right? He doesn't know who the Kardashians are dating or anything like that. Like he shuts all that out and just exclusively too. focuses on <laughs> real shit like real politics real foreign policy real history real economics you know almost singularly focused on like what's really important in politics
3: yeah i mean he's one of those uh, beacons you know he um you, you just point to him and say like you know what he was he was correct about this virtually every time and you know he's just one of those people that you look at as an example i mean whether or not yeah like, like i've always
1: heard that he only smokes the best strains
2: <laughs> yeah that's the other thing that's not really talked about with him is his social conservatism and yeah. I, I as i get older i'm 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 i find myself leaning a little more in the conservative camp um i really appreciated you know that ron always wore a suit always looked, always looks respectable um you know libertarians tend to like to wear capes and and, and chat assless chaps and all kinds of crazy shit like that you know, dude. Who told and you what? I was Orlando. It's not very yeah, punk God rock of you. I'm, yeah, you know? I know, and and like I just it's like cash money. So, am I moving toward conservatism, <laughs> or have I have I always sort of been? Like, I always just I always liked Ron Paul, and I still like Ron Paul. Like, You've I always been like a fuddy duddy, dude. From that, but yeah, a
4: regular old fuddy
3: duddy.
2: Yeah, he's a fu- maybe. I'm growing to become a fuddy duddy. Maybe
3: that's what it is. Well, I mean, I mean, socially, it's like you're not gonna. Um, you you probably shouldn't be grabbing onto whatever is popular in the culture now. It's like I think it's. I think the conservative thinking comes when you you step back and look at people and say, "Why are they making those choices?" You know, and it's like, and the, I think people don't make choices uh, based on like, "Hey, they're not really conscious always of, of why they're doing things." Yeah, you know, so it's just like you're conscious of what someone else is doing. and like, that's strange. I don't even see what they get out of that. And uh, you know, of course they, they can't because it's just, we,
2: I'm going to catch some heat for this, but I I saw this meme the other day and it was like the, the, the woman was, no, the man was pregnant and the woman was, they were both, it was a transgender couple. (coughs) and Both couples were transgender. So the, the man in the relationship was biologically a woman and was pregnant I was so confused by the whole thing. I was like, <laughs> "Man, this, this, and you know, no, no hate, no hate on the uh, the community there." But I just am always, I'm like, "Wow, things have really changed." Uh, this is, this is, I don't know how to, what to make of this. was <laughs> the craziest picture. So, and and then she, the tra- was, you know, beautiful woman. So,
1: was it kind of like that blur song?
3: I don't know, man. Blur song.
1: It wasn't that blur the song like boys who like girls who like boys Who like
3: girls. that's like a 80s <laughs> song
1: wasn't that a, that, uh, that was a 90s okay, song dude that was I'm a 90s on. song right
3: uh, all right
4: that I was defer- anthem for a while <laughs> <laughs> was,
5: <laughs> <It> was.
2: <laughs> oh uh i want to ask about um eric july you know what about uh, you know I, I just you know note I saw him on interviewed uh, he had some some good time on the film. Um, I don't I don't know that I really had a question. I, I know Eric and uh, I haven't talked to him in a while, but it's it's always interesting to see him and he's one of a kind, isn't he you know like he's uh, playing his um, metal rap and cap. I mean that, that has to be the only band in the world that fills that that niche. So,
3: <laughs> libertarians are unique. We'd like to fill the market with our uh, niches. yeah, definitely. You know, he's yeah. on the Blaze TV now, right? Yeah, well, he's I, I knew he's uh, with that outfit. I don't know what all they've got. I just yeah,
5: he, he's just like a random contributor, just floats around from like all sort all their all their shows they do on Glenn Beck's network. And it's so funny to hear like a bunch of these christian conservatives and then there's eric july talking about anarcho-capitalism <laughs>
2: <laughs> what is but the blaze you know? is the blaze um what is their political leaning would you say
1: well That's- it's it's glenn beck's network glenn yeah. beck identifies as libertarian but yeah i mean not too not too many libertarians view him as libertarian no but, I, I don't mean, oddly he enough though, moments Oddly enough, though, like you know, I have some libertarian friends who actually say that they got into libertarianism through Glenn Beck.
5: Wow, I'm right here. I learned a lot of libertarianism from Glenn Beck.
1: You remember uh, the white- Jared, Jared? Can we mute Phil? <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: no, like for real, Glenn Beck, like, um, tried to, Tom Woods he was tried on to his connect to the Tea Party when that was popular, and yeah. that may be where some people jumped on, yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I was involved with campaign for Liberty well, that the organization Ron founded and we were, I was trying to like attract that tea party crowd. I like, I put the group on the tea party Patriots website. And so like, we were kind of like, well, this is the local tea party slash campaign for Liberty. Um, cause there was it, the tea party was taxed enough already and there was a lot of like, yeah, but then you kind of ruined
4: C4L by doing what's that. that? You kind of ruined C4L. now it's just like a a bunch of fucking tea party organization
2: i i my local group's still pretty solid but uh yeah i mean we were always trying to attract a, a a group of people that were skeptical you know of big government and felt like the taxes were too high and you know we wanted to promote all of ron paul's ideas so the idea was to convert them not to convert c4l
3: you know right sure well, Kyle, I've got of, a question for you real quick. Um, do you think that somebody might watch the film and then they, they may not they may be kind of like you in that they, they're not ready to jump into anarchism or, or at least in your case back in to anarchism, but if nothing else, maybe it'll leave them open to the libertarian mindset. They'll say, well, I'm not willing to go that far, but you know what? This is a much more reasonable approach. Do you think it'll have that effect maybe?
2: Yeah, well, I think that it would open a lot of... Um, you know minds to some of the ideas like the public schools are actually um you know not the not as wholesome and wonderful as they're portrayed to be that there's a little bit of an agenda there the war stuff so on certain issues i would say by issues i think it does a great job of introducing people to um you know the concept of blowback the concept of public schools being a sort of a manufacturing of you know, little workers. What's that?
3: Indoctrination
2: mills. Indoctrination centers. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so it it even if they don't go full bore, the film introduces uh, a lot of concepts that people have never considered before. And from that that point, it's it's positive. But I think of your thirty nine forty thousand views, probably a good thirty of them are you know preaching to the choir. right Right. because this is getting shared in libertarian circles it's getting watched by libertarians it's getting liked and commented on by libertarians and i think that's
3: probably most of your audience yeah so i mean you know we can hope to, to push beyond it but um you know that's uh that's our challenge
2: yeah well once you produce something like that then you have something you can share and uh hopefully people watch it you know
3: but um, I, I feel like the next one's going to be a little bit more mainstream. Um, so it'll be uh, more accessible to everybody. They won't have to be accepting an entire. Um, really, like what the film is, is kind of like outlining things that were, uh, that I at least hope to, uh, to address through films in the, in the near future. You know, it's like make a film about this topic, that topic, you know. And, is there uh, a sequel in the works? No, not specifically a sequel to this film, but we're working on another film uh, well, we we just decided which one we're doing, um, and that one's going to be uh, bit, basically because of all the police stuff that's going on right now. It's going to be addressing that kind of uh, a focus on like a, a crisis in policing.
2: Did Did you guys see um, the LP posted? Um, it says Black Lives Matter. It was in big letters on the Libertarian yeah, Party's Facebook page, and then uh, and then Nick shared it and he said, uh, in case you know. Hopefully this is loud enough for the people in the back or something like that. And, you know, I have mixed emotions about it because part of me feels like it's pandering. Um, well, is, that a, is, is it a political
3: position? Well, I mean, politically, what does Black Lives Matter mean? You know, it's it's it, it's kind of like coming across as like all those um, disingenuous corporations telling you how, how they really do care about black people this month. or whatever. Right. You know, just like they, they care about gay people during their month etc cetera, etc cetera. you know it's like it's pretty transparent for the most part and he's not a principled guy anyway so it, it's it's um you know and he's really on the way out so it's like everything he does is kind of like um seems a little tainted you know people are just ready for him to be gone
2: i i yeah. think some are you know i've seen other people in the comments i mean everybody has their supporters right and i've yeah. seen people saying nick once you leave this party i don't know what i'm gonna do i'll probably leave too <laughs> Hopefully, you know, they like they're wow. just there for Nick Sarwark. So, and um, they
1: say the me do me with a good time. Oh, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Jesus Christ. Yeah, I just it just rubs it just oh. kind of comes off as a uh, virtue signaling or or pandering. That that's how I take it. It um, does. Like... But
5: did you? But did you read the the post that was it? Uh, that was um that was with the, the the image of Black Lives Matter. Did you read that no, at all?
2: No, I did not. And no, neither. It was did really.
5: People it was really good though. Like it was really on point. it was like, it was like that bit black lives matter was to get you to hook and, and look at it. And then once you read it, it's like nails, every libertarian talking point. Right. About and that's the like drug war.
4: And that's like Joe, Joe going to a black yep. lives matter protest. And then also just like tweeting up a storm with just awesome shit for the past, mm-hmm. past week. And, you know, making statements on, um, you know, the drug war and, uh, you know, uh, police um uh the whole uh unqualified or qualified immunity shit um yeah no they've been uh you know i mean fucks our work but like yeah that's that's been some that's been some good stuff lately
1: yeah man i i know uh of quite a number of libertarians have been going to these protests yeah and I, i've heard good things coming from them and uh yeah. I, I think, uh, we should definitely be like all about this, man. Like uh, a guy was murdered on camera.
2: Yeah. This yep. is, this is a, right up libertarians alley as far yeah. as, uh, police brutality, government oppression. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's an, it's a good issue or a good topic for libertarians.
3: I mean, it's not gonna, the, the country is really not going to heal anytime soon on this issue. So you know, until and, and we're offering something that, that uh, they can engage with, you know, I, I don't feel like we're going to miss uh, a window or anything. You know, it's not like next year the police will get their acts together and everybody will be like, Oh, I'm glad we had that temporary crisis.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, I mean, a lot of the status apologists are going to say, well, uh, you know, uh, they'll come up with some rationale for what um, the cop did, but I, I don't see one. I mean, why the hell do you keep your knee on a guy for 10 minutes, man? Like,
3: get out okay. of here.
1: Uh, question, question. Does everybody Is everybody good to do an after-hour tonight or not?
3: Yeah, I can. Again, um,
1: are you good, Jared, or not? Uh,
5: How long is the after-hour? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't not that long.
3: planning on it. It would be at least 20 minutes.
4: I could minutes. do it. Yeah, Phil, I wasn't Phil, planning Phil, on it either, but I could.
1: Hold on, I got to plug in
4: Phil, my laptop. you're uh, least
1: important.
3: Before. I know. <laughs> the show's not ending, is it, Matt? uh,
1: Yeah, the podcast is about to end. We're going to take things over to After Hours. Guys, um, so if you want to check out our After Hours program, you can hit us up at patreon.com. Contribute a minimum of $1 per month to help keep the lights on in Anarchy Basement. And uh, yeah, we've also got um, T-shirts for sale at libertariancountry.com. If you type in the code PRL, you'll receive a 10% discount. If you spend $50 or more and you type in the code PRL2, you'll receive a 20% discount. Chris Cooper, is there anything that you want to plug?
3: Well, yeah. First, um, if you're interested in uh, the film we've been talking about, you can see it uh, for free on YouTube if you search The Monopoly on Violence. Or you can go to the themonopolyonviolence.com where you can see, uh, you know, all kinds of variations of the download. And not only that, but the soundtrack. The soundtrack, which we didn't get to talk about, which I was kind of hoping we would, uh, was done by J.J. Boogie, who is a guitarist-producer for the band Arrested Development,
0: which okay. surely you've heard of.
1: Yeah we, yeah we can we can definitely talk about the soundtrack on after hours man and i For also sure. want to talk about the whole like everything that's going on right now with the like police state and shit you know i want to talk about that shit i want to i'm going to get hear your hot take on that dude okay. so um fuck i think uh and this podcast is brought to you in part by conversations about freedom podcast hosted by moral bob until next time live free or die
0: That is shit Drenching the flags Of the tax forms in red Voices by a few At the expense of the many Soldiers and cards In a dead machine You can't justify killing By economic gain For God's country And democracy You can put freedom At death point In a fine We suffer the truth Can bring them home I believe that you Will do the best for you And I believe that we have the power, have the power I make a slave, and I know I'm a slave. We can make a break, break the power, break the power Society of individuals, nothing more than not interference with natural rights A virtuous person fully comprehends the non-aggression principle The violence of the state becomes absolute